Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Quick. Ultimate efficiency, 100% effort. I love it when we can do that on this show. All right, so let's talk about our sleepers. These are the tight ends we're targeting in our drafts later on after we get past those top eight guys that most of us have on our list to help you win. These are the guys that we have to take the shots on and very likely could be the guys to help you win championships because if you can figure out a tight end late, whether it be later in the season or later in your draft, it gives you a huge advantage over the rest of the field that does not have a Travis Kelsey or a Mark Andrews. So, Britt, let's go to you. We already talked about Dalton Kincaid, so let's talk a little bit about Greg Dolchich. Yeah, I absolutely love Greg Dolchich. As part of my college football projections, I projected him at UCLA he was such a great pass catcher, and his yards after the catch ability is out of this world. Even in this inefficient Denver offense and just cluster that it was last season, every time Dulcich was on the field, he produced. And he became one of Russell Wilson's like go-to guys, especially in the red zone. Now, Sean Payton comes in with Joe Lombardi. We've seen it historically, how they like to utilize an X receiver and a very good pass catching tight end. Sean Payton was admittedly a little bit lukewarm on Dulcich, saying, well, I'll just have to see. In June, he came out completely glowing about this guy, loves everything about him. And that steamed up Dulcich until, like, I think tight end 12-ish. Now everybody is panicking about the tight end depth chart because Adam Troutman's there. I got news for you guys. Adam Troutman is a blocking tight end. He can be tight end one on the depth chart, and it doesn't matter. Greg Dulcich is still going to be out there now with the injury to Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick, KJ Hamler, cutting everybody. Their depth is severely lacking, and Dulcich is going to be utilized heavy and often, and he's going to smash value. And his hair is awesome. <laughs> Britt, I, I'm not, I was going to make this a showdown before, but you hit on the point of why I can't. Because I can't disagree with you too strongly here because of the Jerry Judy injury. And we don't know exactly when he's going to be back. Now, the good news is he avoided the short-term IR. But with a hamstring injury, with a guy who needed a breakout season, we're still kind of feeling iffy about. It does open up a pathway there for Greg Dolch to get a little bit more volume. Here's my issue. and This is why I bounce back a little bit. And it's not necessarily the Adam Troutman thing, but it is the Sean Payton of it all. He rotates tight ends. And Juwan Johnson, who everybody was super excited about last year because he had all the touchdowns, that was great. That was fun. That was a touchdown rate. I don't think sustainable for a guy who was playing as little as he was. I worry that Greg Dulcich gets more utilized like Juwan Johnson than he does, let's say, a Jimmy Graham, which is what we're all hoping for him to go. I don't know. Let's, let's get, let's get a Chris's opinion in here. Yeah, I tend to agree with you, Dan. I, I think the last time that we seen a, a tight end be relevant in Sean Payton's offense was Jimmy Graham. I know that everybody wants to kind of get back to the good old days of Sean Payton's offense, 
But we've seen a lot of guys get drafted in, in New Orleans. We've seen a lot of different trades. A Kobe Fleener was there for a couple of years. Basically, guys were just dying out, going playing the tight end for Sean Payton the last few years. Jawan Johnson is kind of a spark in the, in the you know of recent, um, but also a guy who's converted receiver to converted to tight end. So I think Greg Dolchich has a lot of skills. But I will say this, Brett: a lot of these tight ends that you like, like Dalton Kincaid and Greg Dolchich, who did really well in college, they're also 25 years old. So it's not necessarily um, that hard for some of the guys a little more physically built that are able to kind of come out and do something. But then when it comes to being good in the NFL. I, I compare him more to an Austin Hooper than a guy that I think isn't going to be somebody that I want to have my lineup week in, week out. You want to rebuttal? I a cannot bit? believe you just compared Greg Dulcich to Austin <laughs> Hooper. I'm just, I've, I'm for Klimt right now, to be honest. Chase Stenberger. Be in the eye, Ellie. There is no cackle. There's no Santa Claus. And there's no Christmas. There's no God. There's no Easter Bunny. There's nothing, 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 nothing. And there's no great dolches to Austin Hooper. <laughs> it literally, like, I had to take a second because that was physically painful to hear that comparison. <laughs> I'm not going to go that far. <laughs> um, I, I do think Dolce is actually athletic, where I, I don't think Austin Hooper really ever was that athletic from that point. But we'll have to see how that all shakes out. Now, it got me all screwed up after that one. I, <laughs> I think uh, we're all out of sorts. <laughs> Britt, you got uh you got there we go. That's what I was looking for. That's a bold statement. Britt, you got Mike Isecki on your sleeper list. I also have Mike Isecki on my sleeper list. So give me your opinion and I'll give you mine. Yeah. So going all the way back to when there was a little bit of controversy about the tight end franchise tag and whether or not you played a certain number of snaps at wide receiver versus tight end should warrant you getting wide receiver money. Bill Belichick was one of the biggest proponents that Mike Gusecki was not a tight end and he was, in fact, a receiver. Now you look at Bill O'Brien coming in there as the offensive coordinator. The last time Bill O'Brien was offensive coordinator of the Patriots supported Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez. Now enter the personal relationship of Mike Gusecki and Bill O'Brien playing together at Penn State. This guy has a plan. For Mike Gusecki. I know that we're a little bit worried about him because he did suffer that separated shoulder, but now he's off the injury report. He's going basically for free in drafts. This guy is going to get targeted. If you look at the wide receiver room, Juju. Okay, cool. Slot guy, low yards per route run every single year. And then Dusty Devonte, uh, special teamer Kendrick Bourne and Taekwon Thornton. I, I just, I don't see it. Gusecki has a major pathway for targets. And this offense and the system is very conducive to him just absolutely smashing. Yeah, well, here's the best part about it. His ADP is tight end 28, which is why I love him. Because you, if you want to completely punt at the tight end position, just say hell with it. Let's take somebody and stream somebody later on. This is the guy to do it with. I don't know who the receiver is going to be. Like you said, I don't know if there even is one. You signed, I first of all, Danielle, I'm going to get you in this on a second because I know you're a Patriots fan. I, I cannot feel like I'm talking about out. this. I cannot wait for me to figure out why they re-signed Devontae Parker to an extension. It still blows my mind. It makes absolutely no sense. You bring an old man, Juju Smith-Schuster, at the age of 25, and yet he's going on 75. So you're lighting it up for where Hunter Henry, all, all camps have been, he's the go-to red zone target. Followed up until he got injured a little bit with Mike Gusecki. Now, that does worry me a little bit about Mike Gusecki because he does have that injury history. But again, we're talking about a guy that you probably don't even have to draft. But go ahead, Danielle, get in the conversation 
Yeah, I I have a lot to say about this whole Patriots offense, and I wouldn't even just mess with any of the wide receivers. But these two tight ends, whether I mean, I personally think both Hunter Henry and Gasecki are sleepers. I think they're both going to be used in this offense. I'm not necessarily which one's going to be prioritized to be that like tight end one. I don't really understand Bill's quite like whole system here. And I don't think nobody really will because he just has his own scheme to call it. But I think both of them have a lot of upside. And I think they're two very bright pieces on this suffering New England offense. So I think you can't necessarily go wrong with either Gasecki or Henry because I think they're both going to be very cheap. Like you said, you can get them for nothing and very late in the draft. And I think they both can come up large throughout the season. Well, Chris, let's get you in here because you have Hunter Henry on your sleeper list. So which one would you rather have? Yeah, I mean, obviously I have Hunter Henry on my list, but I do agree with everybody. I think they're both can be steals. Um, as Brett alluded to before, the guy that we keep looking back to is that Patriot offense as an offense that can sustain two tight ends. Um, we've been talking about that and drafting off that for since then. That's a couple of months, a decade ago, but Bill O'Brien is back now in New England and Mike Gusecki is lining up in the slot. You know, Brett talked about Evan Ingram getting that success for Jacksonville and why he's not going to have that success this year. Uh, we know we've heard all out of camp, like a second, he's been lined up in the slot. They know what he is. They're not going to ask him to block. They're going to ask him to catch the ball. So I think he can be a great value. I have Hunter Henry slightly high just because Hunter Henry's been healthier um, and was able to kind of be that red zone guy. And we heard a lot all through camp how Hunter Henry's been having connection with Matt Jones. So I lean Hunter Henry, but I think both of them could be steals. All right. So I, I, I agree with that too. I, I like Hunter Henry, even though he wasn't on my list as well. Uh, we talked about Brits. Chris, you have Tyler Higby. And Tyler Higby is somebody that I have been consistently ranking him higher than the ADP as well. So talk to me about Tyler Higby. You know, we all got excited about TJ Hawkinson and what he did in Minnesota's offense last year. Well, guess what? What he did was basically what Tyler Higby had done in a stretch of four or six games at the end of the Rams season the previous year. You're seeing a very similar offense that can feature tight end when they want to utilize the tight end. Matthew Stafford has a history of looking for tight end both in the red zone and you know from down and down as well. And then you add the fact that Tyler Higby was widely inefficient last year and still finished as a top 10 tight end. Um, I think he just catches about 60-65% of the balls this year. He can be a guy that you have maybe possibly top five tight end. Um, so Tyler Higby to me with the value there, some other guys talked about eight to 12, Dan, you know, not really who do you care, who do you want to get to me? Tyler Higby is one of those guys who can still be kind of consistent, which is hard to find a tight end position, but has some little bit of upside as well. Yeah. I think he's uh, he, well, he's similar to Dalton Schultz, right? He's boring, but the targets are going to freaking be there. I, he was, <laughs> we don't know who the second guy is Cooper cup yet. We don't, I like Van Jefferson. I've talked about him quite a bit on this show. I talked about him last week. But it could just as easily be Tyler Higby is at number two. We saw that happen last year. And so he's boring, but I got him at tight end 13. If you're looking for a safe floor to pair up with a high upside play of, let's say, a Mike Gusecki or a Hunter Henry, that could be a way to go. So I don't I don't disagree with you, Chris. Does anybody disagree with Tyler Higby here? I just want to throw this little nugget in there that when the story came out that Matt Stafford is having trouble connecting to his younger wide receivers and is actually making a printed out literal book of faces because he, he can't remember their names. Um, I think that the target to pathway or pathway to targets is pretty clear for Higby because he's one of the only guys that Matthew Stafford can remember his name. Stafford's like, you're going to be cut tomorrow. You're going to be cut tomorrow. <laughs> I don't have yeah, to remember dude. names at all. <laughs> it's so bad. 
That's fantastic. I love that nugget. Uh, all right. So last but not least is my last sleeper tight end. And again, I've, I know I feel a little guilty about this list. I picked two tight ends who you don't even have to draft, but I mean, that's why they're deep, deep sleepers, right? I like Michael Mayer. Now I know I just got on my whole soapbox about Don Kincaid and being a rookie tight end. I get it. I understand. But you know, who's in front of Michael Mayer. It's Austin freaking Hooper, who we just bashed on this entire show. So this seems pretty relevant right now to talk about this one. Here's why I like Mayer as a sleeper. First of all, like I said, his ADP is tight end 31. I got him ranked at, at tight end 23. So I'm still not telling you to, to go out there and draft him. What I am telling you is that as soon as your drafts are done and you're in the position to stream tight ends, make sure you do you know, that little watch list on whatever platform you play on. Make sure, make sure you check him off because he could actually play all three downs. I'm looking for snaps out of tight ends who are not necessarily the most gifted, but are gifted enough when it comes to their athletic ability in the red zone. That's what Michael Mayer is. He's a three down tight end and Josh McDaniels loves his three down tight ends. And you want to talk about a team or trying to figure out what the target share is going to be across the board. Yes, they brought in Jacoby Myers, but he makes Hunter Renfro redundant. They don't really have any other speed on the outside. And Myers might actually have to play the outside as a result because, well, Renfro's getting paid too much money to ride the bench. Let's be real. So outside of Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs coming out of the backfield, uh, I'm not feeling too great about what's going on with the Raiders situation. Jimmy G, he does have a history of getting the ball to the tight ends himself as well. So if Mayer can take over this job, which I do think happens sooner rather than later, I think Mayer is somebody we're going to be talking about on the waiver wires quite a bit. What do you guys think? I have so many things to say. And this is, I'm going to preface this by this is not to uh, denigrate Mayer's talent as a pass catcher or as a good tight end. Looking at the Raiders roster after the 53-man cut down yesterday, they have nine offensive linemen on their roster total. Nine. So what happens if somebody goes down? <laughs> they are going to run so much 12 personnel, ask him to block so freaking much that those targets just aren't going to be there. Uh, it's It really sucks for him because I love him as a talent. But looking at this depth chart, I mean, the front five, to, for starters, has like maybe eight weeks of starts as the highest of them all. Uh, Dylan Parham has been kind of disappointing. I mean, Greg Van Rotten, ugh, Van Rotten is a very appropriate name. And then the lack of depth behind them. I think Mayer's just going to be used as such a blocker that he's not going to have any fantasy relevance this year. I love the call as an athlete, but that roster is disgusting yeah we get no argument out of me with the roster being disgusting that's for sure but <laughs> I don't, with the blocking and they go 12 personnel i think it's just easily austin hooper the one who stays in the block it, it, I, it things are going to be interchangeable in that sense i don't know chris what do you think you, you like the michael mayor coming out of the draft yeah, I mean, I think that he has the potential to have, be a decent option for you week in, week out. That like you talked about, Dan, isn't the guy you draft to be your top tight end necessarily. It has a little bit upside. I agree with Britt, though. I think he's going to be asked to stay in and block because this offensive line isn't very good. Um, but I, I'm going to say that Michael Meyer is a guy that, that I would wait for in waivers, not the guy necessarily want to draft or pick up. My caution why, ignore, why you shouldn't ignore him is there's a lot of draft capital spent on this guy, and usually when it comes to tight ends, they do try to figure out ways to get those guys involved. 
We don't know Devontae Adams' long-term future on the Raiders. Could it be by week four he could trade to the Jets? So Michael Mayer could actually wind up being one of the top you know, target getters as the season progresses. So he's a guy to me that you're looking at as an option, not necessarily a guy you want to bank on. No, yeah, and that's why, like I said, I have him ranked at tight end 23. I'm not getting crazy here. I just see a little pathway, and I think Austin Hooper sucks. That's, that's just well, pretty much yeah, it out well, to that point, too, just, you know, wherever Austin Hooper has gone the last few years, whether he gets paid or not, He's the bitch. other guy winds up being the guy who's good. So that does play well for Michael Mayer. Yeah, it's just that roster, it scares me. There's so many gaps. It's bad. Like, it, it's not even just that it's bad, but the gaps behind it, I, I just, I think it's going to take him a couple years. He may follow, like, the Travis Kelsey pathway and be good, you know, down the road in a few years. But man, this year looks gross. It does, it does look pretty gross. Here's a fun question for you, Danielle. Who gets fired first, Josh McDaniels or Brandon Staley? Oh, Jesus. I don't I think they're, they're going to keep Staley though forever there. Like they, they just keep rolling with them for some reason, acting like everything's okay. So I think McDaniels though, after this season, if he messes up like two or three times, he's going to be cut. I think. Like, I think he's going to be on the edge after this season. Yeah, I, I got to think Mark Davis is sitting there like, if I didn't pay you so much money, I would have fired you last year, but I had no choice to keep you around another year because I'm stupid. Uh, that's going to wrap up today's show, guys. I hope you all enjoyed it. I know I did. Britt, thank you so much for coming on. I know you've been working like a dog. So for you to take the time out to come on the show, I really do appreciate it. Please tell everybody where to follow you at and what you got working on next. Yeah, how much time we got? Um, okay, let's run this down. Um, so I'm on Alarm Fantasy Football Tuesday through Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern on Fantasy Alarm and Better Sports Network YouTube. I've got Brit's Fantasy Blitz on Monday and Friday from 2 to 3 Eastern. Um, I'm also on ESPN Chattanooga on Tuesday at noon Eastern, Lightning Round Tuesday at 1 Eastern. Um, I'm coming out with a few articles over on fantasyalarm.com. Um her story in the making will be back at some point in September when I can finally find a spot to um, fit it all in. And you can follow me on Twitter at Brit underscore Flynn uh, right there. I'm very bad at spatial go. awareness. <laughs> well done, weather girl. I <laughs> appreciate that. Chris, you and I are going to be back tomorrow night. Tomorrow night is our big betting future preview with Chaz Filardi coming on Action the show. Tickets. That's right. Cash and tickets from Sports Betting Weekly. Can't wait to get in that. We're going to get all of our divisional winners, some win-loss records, and, of course, the well-awaited player MVP awards, offensive player, rookie of the year, all that stuff. We're going to be talking about that tomorrow on Odds and try to cash some tickets going into the season. I cannot wait. Danielle, you still covering the Falcons, or have you moved on yet? I'm officially moving on. I'm ending my week, um, my last week with Fox five here in the next few days here. So I'll be starting to cover more new England things, um, within the next few weeks here. So stay tuned for all that Patriots coverage throughout the year. <laughs> if only this was like five years ago and they were actually relevant to be a lot, but no, I'm just kidding. I know, if I actually, you know, worked with like Tom Brady <laughs> or something, you know, I talked about that earlier and I'm just, you know, missed it a few years. It's okay. No, we'll get to talk about their opponents. No, I'm just kidding. Again. Exactly, no. exactly. You know, they have Eagles week one, which is huge. So, you that know, we'll talk about all the talent on the Eagles. Yep, 100%. Guys, take care. Make sure you subscribe and download us on your favorite podcast app. And we're going to see you tomorrow night at 930 in the same place. <laughs>